Well, it is good to be here tonight. Uh, we have three books in 35 minutes, so let's go ahead and turn to First Peter. Buckle up and hold on. We'll see where we get. You know, these uh, First, Second Peter, and the book of Jude, uh, there's a lot to be found there. There's a lot to say there. Some of that uh, in First Peter especially uh, I don't know if your Bible's like mine. I like to mark things up, put notes out to the side them. But First Peter is marked up heavily in my Bible. My Bible. So, you know, we will. Um, I will try not to neglect Second Peter and Jude, but First Peter does have a lot of stuff in it. So when we look at this, we look at First Peter primarily. Um, he's going to explain some things to us. He's going to encourage us, and that's what I'd like to do tonight. Um, the gospel is good news. It is encouragement. And so when we look at these chapters and we look at these verses, um, I want you to be encouraged tonight. Now, even though he's going to talk to us about um, the doctrine of salvation a little bit uh, and the sufferings that go along with it, in those sufferings, they are there to make us more like Christ. And sometimes we, we tend to not want to suffer. Uh, I know I don't. I, I don't wake up in the morning looking for suffering. Okay, it, it, uh, it comes whether we look for it or not. And a lot of times we ask God, why do you do that? Why am I suffering like this? Um, but there's a purpose for that, and there's a reason for that. And it's to make us more like him. It's to keep us close to him. You see, if everything goes well in our lives, a lot of times we, we tend to leave, leave Christ out of our life, don't we? It's easy to do when things are going good to maybe not study the word, not share the, your faith. And so tonight, I want to I talk about three things, living by faith while suffering persecution, contending for the faith, and we'll talk a little bit about that, and our certainty in the victory of Christ. So let's open our Bibles, and we will start in 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 3 through 8. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who protected by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you will have distress by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found the result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but... So as we, as we start tonight, I want us to look at these, these three verses. One of the things I see in this uh, verse 6 especially it says, in this you greatly rejoice. And this is how he starts this, this little phrase. He says, in this you greatly rejoice. And so he's talking, though, that though for a little while, if necessary, you are grieved by various trials. So what's happening here is he's saying that we are to rejoice no matter what our circumstances are. We are to rejoice in, in Christ no matter what we go through or how we go through it. We are to rejoice in that. But he says, if necessary... You know, so he says it's going to be for a little while, so we know it's temporary. Now, temporary may be our entire life here on earth. We do realize that. 
That temporary doesn't mean it's just going to be a short time and it goes away. It could be lifelong for us. And so when we see that, it could be a lifelong challenge for us. It could be a lifelong struggle for us. But we know that it's also temporary because our eternity is the glorification when we die in Christ. And so we see it says, if necessary. I found that interesting, that God would say, if necessary, I'm going to give you persecution. I'm going to give you these trials. And with me, it is necessary. I will, I will fall away easily a lot of times if not put to the test, if not challenged in the Word of God, if not challenged in my faith. You see, it could be real easy. I could, I could do it the easy way, and I could, I could come to church, and I could kind of fall back by the wayside, and we could all do that and, and not be participating, not be a part of what goes on. But, but it says, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. And it's interesting, it says various trials. Trials will be different. It won't always be the same thing. He has promised us that through these persecutions, he will be with us. Through these persecutions, he'll, he'll um, take us through them. But there's going to be various trials. Sometime, it could be your job. It could be your children. It could be your spouse. Well, maybe I shouldn't use that one. It could be, but, but trials come in different ways. You know, we, we sit back and we look at, um, at our lives, and, and I'm reminded of a lot of situations, but I don't have a lot of time today. So I want us to understand that have you ever been misled? Have you ever been lied about? Have you ever been spoke wrongly of? And in that time, the flesh wants to rise up and say, that's not right. I need to rectify this. And in my life, there's a lot of situations like that. As, as we age, as we get older, it, it becomes more, more prevalent. But he says that you're going to be tested by various trials. A lot of those trials deal with other people. Some of them are physical, some of them are not. But most of our trials will deal with other folks. And we find in, in dealing with those things that in verse 7 it says, so that the testing of your faith shows your genuineness. It's a testing of our faith. We are going to be tested day in and day out. Now, we can avoid conflict. We can avoid things. But really, we're just going through life if we're doing that. But he says, this is so that you will be tested in your faith. So I'm always um, I'm encouraged when the trial is over. I like that part best. But know that the trials, as they go... And as we cry and we weep and we struggle and what have you, those trials are, are there by, they're put there by God. And so they promise this throughout this book. Let's look at, um, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. It says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So it's interesting, he calls us sojourners, calls us exiles. That means we're not part of this world any longer. We have been born again. We, we, those of us who are saved, we now are exiles in this world. We don't live according to, the, to this world. We don't live according to the sins of this world, to the thoughts of this world. And it says that we are, we are exiles. 
And so it goes on in verses 13 through 17, and it talks about us submitting to government. It talks about us submitting to those that are around us in charge of us. Um, even when things wrongly happen to you, we are to submit to them because they are in authority to us. Just like us, we here are sitting, we have four elders that we submit to. We submit to their teaching. We submit to their leading. Uh, they may preach and we may say, I, I don't know if I like that. But it's grounded in Scripture. It's grounded in the Word of God. And so we are submissive to them. And this is part of the testing of our faith. Sometimes it's hard to, to say you were wrong. I was wrong once. I remember it clearly. But we don't have time for that today. So we, we know that we will be wrong, but, but we like to be right, don't we? We like to proclaim the righteousness of ourselves a lot of times. And so one of these things, it says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they see your good deeds and they glorify God on the day of visitation. They will glorify God for our deeds. Peter also talks, as, as he talked about our submission to government in verses 18 through 20, he says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to do good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Subject to your masters with respect, not only to the ones who are good to you, but even to the ones that are unjust. That's hard. That's difficult. You've been done wrong. You've been, you've been wronged against. And so... It says in verse 19, For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. But if you, when you do good and suffer for it, <clears throat> I'm sorry, but if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. So even when we're suffering, even though we do the right thing and we suffer when someone calls it evil, it's a good thing if we if we hold fast to the word of God. It's a good thing if we hold fast to the truths of God. Verse, chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, which was read here this evening. The last part of that, verse 17, is what I want to look at. It says, For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. We're going to suffer for doing evil. When we do wrong, there's a punishment to pay. Growing up, when I heard Dad take the belt out of his pants and I was in trouble, I ran upstairs and locked the door. That was a bad idea, all right? Because some, some, at some point, that door was going to open and I was going to be disciplined, all right? So when I did something wrong, I deserved to be, to be disciplined. But here it says, for it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. God's will. You're saying that God's will sometimes causes us to suffer? You're saying that God's will sometimes leads us into situations where we will be ridiculed and criticized, perhaps beaten and killed for the gospel? Yes, that is God's will at times. And so we understand that we are being submissive to the will of God. Let's look at chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. It says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. 
so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. This is, this is a battle cry. This is when it says arm yourself, that means weaponize yourself. That means get ready for battle. So how do we battle in this world? We don't, we don't fight against flesh and blood in this world. We, we understand that it's the principalities and the powers and the rulers of this era. We fight against those things. But, but here he, he says that arm yourselves the same way of thinking. In the same way of what kind of thinking? It says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm ourselves, understanding that we also will suffer in the flesh. Suffering is coming. It may not be here today. It may not be here tomorrow. But suffering is coming for the Christian. We will suffer. And while that seems like, man, that's, that's heavy and that's hard and that's maybe not the good news, is it? Well, it's news, but it may not be what we always want to hear. But do, you do realize what, when I suffer, I know for myself, when I suffer that I am better after the suffering passes. And I am better going through the suffering because I am totally reliant on Christ. Totally. Because I cannot change that suffering. I cannot change what's happening. Only God is my sustainer. And so when we see that arm ourselves in the same way as Christ, in the same way of thinking as Christ, Christ willingly gave himself. He came and died a sinner's death. Willingly gave it. And that is the same way we should live our lives. Willingly walking into the suffering that God has for us. So as to live the rest of our time no longer in the flesh for human passions, but for the will of God. So as we battle, we see that the will of God has been mentioned twice now so far. And we're just into chapter 4. The will of God leads us into these places. The will of God takes us and the will of God uh, comforts us through all these. In verse 4 of chapter 4, in 1 Peter, it says, With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the flood of debauchery, and they malign you, and they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. I will tell this one story um, because I think it's relevant. When, when I was I'm saved when I was 19, okay, I didn't know anything about Christ uh, until probably I was 15 years old. I went to church every week, but I knew nothing of Christ. And I was saved in 19, and I used to run around with, with different guys and a few of the guys, and, and this one guy in particular, I told him uh, we would go out and do stuff, and um, I know mom and dad are listening, so I'm not going to go into that tonight. But anyway, we would go out and do stuff, and I told him, I said, I got, I, I've been born again, I, I got saved. He goes, What? You're, you're already saved. And the stuff we were about to do, I said, I can't, I can't do that any longer. And so our relationship changed at that point. You see, when we, when we look at these things, when we understand that guilt, um, guilt was upon him, he says, no, nah, we can still do this. You, you've been saved. You've been saved all along. Well, he wanted me to be saved because my actions did not represent a Christian. That's what, that's what it was, okay? And so without those actions representing Christ, now you say, I'm not going to do those things. The world will treat you differently. Your friends may treat you differently. As you suffer 
for Christ. There's four, there's four attitudes I want to see here in uh, chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of the glory and, the, and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or thief or evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Now, this books, these books are being written around the time that Rome was burned, when Nero burned Rome and what have you. So 1st, 2nd Peter, uh, Jude, they were all written in that time, that, around that time frame, either right before or just after. So you understand when he talks about the, the fiery uh, trials that come, the, the tests that come upon you. There's four attitudes that, that I see in this. And, the, and one, you know, looking at verse 12, don't be surprised at the fiery trial. Expect it. Expect trials. Okay? The second thing would be rejoice in it. The third thing is evaluate its cause. Is this trial coming because of something I did? because of something I have brought upon myself, because of some sin or some thought I've had in my life. Is this trial coming to draw me back into, into God's, uh, into his, um, I don't want to say his favor. That's not the word I'm looking for. But why is this trial happening? See, a lot of times we don't evaluate why something happens. We just assume that it's somebody else's fault that this is happening to us. And many times we have created things in our life and we have suffered in our life because of our own actions and not because of something that someone else did. But the last thing we do after we evaluate it is we entrust it to God. You, you entrust it to God. God will sustain us through those moments. So, so why, are, why are trials important? Why are, why are these things important to us? Why does it matter if we're persecuted or not? Uh, we look at chapter 2, we're going to look at uh, second, uh, First Peter. <laughs> no, I think we're in Second Peter now? No, First Peter chapter 2. And verses 21 through 25. It says, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ has suffered for you, leaving you as an example to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not return. Uh, he did not return vile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For, for you were continually strained like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the guardian of your souls. So what about these trials? Why do we go through them? It says in verse 21, For to this you have been called. We've been called to that. This is part of our heritage. This is part of who we are in Christ. You have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you as an example so that you might follow in his steps. So Christ is our example. So Christ is, is our headship. So Christ is the one that we follow. So we are going to suffer due to these, these things. So we know persecution lasts on this earth. So, so how do we live then? So how are we to live? 
Let's look at 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 12. 1 Peter 3, 8 through 12. How do we live? To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for this very purpose, that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life, to love and to see good days, must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So who, who, does, who faces evil? God does. He doesn't tell us to, to repay evil for evil. We look in that first verse, he says, to sum it up, in verse 8, he says, All of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult. Talks to our flesh, talks to our, the things in our life that we, when we have conversations at times, when we get frustrated with people, when we, we do this, what we want to do is we want to not be harmonious. We want to be divisive. We don't want to be sympathetic. We want to point blame. We, we're not really brotherly or kind-hearted or even humble in spirit, but we're proud and we're boisterous. These are all the things of the flesh, and they're easily identified. And so I, I challenge myself, and, and, and I challenge us tonight to, to search ourselves. What is, what is our spirit inside us? What, what do, we, do we see ourselves as, as this list that, that Peter gives us. Do we see ourselves in that way? In 1 Peter 5, 11, To him, uh, that's not right. Well, it's a good verse, but it's not the one I'm looking for. So we'll move on from that, all right? So let's go to 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1. Hey, I made it to 2 Peter, and we still got 12 minutes. What do you think? Of it? 2 Peter 1, 1 through 11. Now, we won't read all those, but I want to I look at the end of the back part of verse 1. It says, um, to Simon Peter, a bondservant and the apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we have received the same the same faith as Peter. Now, when we look at Peter, we know Peter's failings. We know all the stuff he went through. We know the hardships, uh, the self-induced uh, problems that he did with himself. I'll never deny you. The, the, you know, the cock crows, and, and he goes away and he weeps. But he was always he's restored. And, and upon this rock, I will build my church the faith that Peter possessed. So, so we look at this, and it says, To those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You realize that our faith is the same one that Peter has. Our faith is no different. It is the same one. It is, is faith through the righteousness of God. For in faith it was counted as righteousness to Abraham, and that same thing is applied all the way through the ages. And so it is by faith that we are, we are saved, and, and it's the same faith that Peter had because while we are not the apostles and we were not chosen as apostles and we did not live with Jesus and we did not see Jesus, so we can't be apostles, what we can be is born again and saved just like Peter is. 
And the things that Peter goes through and the things he details here for us through the Holy Spirit are the same things that he went through. These are not things he's telling somebody out in the future. These are things that he experienced. These are things that God took him through. And so when God takes you through a, a series of events, um, maybe persecutions, even joyous times, it is encouragement to us who hear what you go through and how God brought you out of that and how God brought you through that. You see, persecution is, is something that we should be able to share with one another, pray for with each other, pray for with one another. Because in verse 2 of 2 Peter 1, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything we need, he has supplied. Everything. Through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Confirming our faith. Let's go to verse 3 through 10. I'm just going to hit a few notes here. Starting verse 3, uh, let's go to uh, verse 4. So it says, His divine powers grant to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted His precious and very great promises. Now, there's a list that comes up here in verse 5, and it's a list I want to I look at real quickly. It says, Now, for the very reason also, applying all diligence to your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. And for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What an awesome list that we look at. And, and I look at these often, you know, and there's debate on this one way or the other, but I often look at it to see if we, uh, so is this list, is this the order in which it goes? Or, do, or can I mix them up, move them around? <laughs> I don't know, but I do know this, that when it says now for the very reason, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence and in your moral excellence knowledge, I do know when you get to one, it moves you to the next one and it moves you to the next one and it moves you to the next one. And the last one of these listed is love. And of course, we can go First Corinthians 13 and we can look through love and, and talk about, you know, it's not harsh, it's not evil, all those things in, in First Corinthians. But here it's talking about the last thing is love. And as I read through this thing, these things, it would be extremely hard for me to love someone if all those other things are not met. You can't say I, I love you and not have brotherly kindness, not have moral excellence not share the knowledge of Christ, not have self-control, to persevere, to, to endure until the end. All those things are, are there in, in, in unison together. They work together. And the, the last thing listed is love. And I love this thing. He says, if these are yours and they're increasing, in other words, these should be part of our life and they should be continual. And if they're continual, 
It says they will be neither unfruitful or useless in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he says in verse 9, he says, For he who lacks these qualities is blind and short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. So, verse 10, he says, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you, for as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. So if you want a recipe not to stumble in this Christian life, not to stumble in this life, it's right here in 1 Peter. These things should represent us. These things are the things that, that God says, if, you, if these are yours and they are increasing, this is how you stay free from stumbling. This is how you walk a successful Christian life. It's these things that are edifying to the Lord. And they are just grace to us. And so, <laughs> moving right along, we will, um, I'm going to throw in some verses from Jude here. I'm going to skip a little bit, obviously. But um, the rest of Second Peter, pretty much, and the book of Jude, um, I have a good friend who says that Jude plagiarized Peter when he wrote it. And, um, I don't know about that, but but it um, but Second Peter he knew of Second Peter because Second Peter talks a lot about false doctrines, false teachers. Um, I saw something this afternoon as I was uh, looking through things, and I saw where uh, there's a televangelist. You would all know him if I mentioned his name, and he said the reason God hasn't returned is because the the church hasn't given enough money for him to return. Okay, so now we sit here tonight and we realize that's a false teacher. Right? That's easy. But there, you realize there's millions that follow that man, and they don't think he's a false teacher. And so the whole book, uh, pretty much of Second Peter, goes into the false teachings. How do we know a false teacher? So Second Peter chapter 2, verses 10 through 22, really, uh, it starts in verse 1 of chapter 2. But it talks about destructive doctrines. And one thing on 2.1 I want us to see, it says, But false prophets also rose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing swift destruction upon them. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of the truth will be maligned. And in their greed... Greed is important. Greed is mentioned almost every time it talks about a false teacher. Greed and sensuality is almost always mentioned together. So it says, in their greed, they will exploit you with false words, and their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Listen, the same thing that we hear here in Second Peter, we can pretty much say about the book of Jude. In Jude 3, 4, it says, Beloved, when I give all diligence to write to you about our common salvation, it was needful for me instead to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So what he's saying is we need to contend for our faith. We need to contend for the word of God. We need to contend for Christ. Because what has happened, he says, it was once delivered unto the saints. What that means is something else has come in to replace it. Something else has come in, and, and we've got another doctrine. In verse uh, 4, it says, in Jude 4, it says, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the race of our God into lasciviousness and denying only the Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So it talks about people coming into the church, misleading the flock. And that's the thing about uh, our elders. That's the thing about the men in this church, the ladies in this church. You know, there's, there's more verses that I have, but, but as I close tonight, I just want us to understand that we do not need to rely only on our four elders to teach us. We need to be studied in the Word. And as we study, like, you know, where it talks about old, old men um, teach the younger men, well, we, we can teach them things. We can teach them life lessons. We can teach them how to, how to do this or that. We can teach them how to cut down a tree if they don't know. We can teach them how to kill a deer. We can teach them all kinds of stuff. But that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the Word of God. Listen, the experiences we, we have in, in our lives are teachable experiences, and they're only beneficial if they are glorifying to God and they are lifting up other people. So, men, I, I challenge you to be men of the word. Ladies, be men of the word. Let's, let's be men and women of prayer. And let's take the, the words of God to heart because there are millions across this land that are, that are fooled. They do not know the true gospel. They have heard a false doctrine. And they have believed a false doctrine because it sounds good and it allows them to continue in their sin. But realize, when we share the gospel, it is life and it is freeing. And so, some, a couple of verses we didn't get to in, in 1 Peter was talking about, be holy for I am holy. Um, and as a close tonight, I just want to read uh, Jude 20 through 25. But ye, beloved... Building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal death. And for some, have compassion, making a difference. And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful for your word. We, uh, we thank you for the Holy Spirit imparting to Peter and James uh, as, as they wrote these books. And Lord, that you placed in there exactly what you wanted us to have, exactly what you wanted us to learn, and exactly how you wanted us to live. So Father, I pray, Lord, that um, as we walk through the days of persecution, as we walk through the, the doctrines of this world, may we bring glory to you. May we be obedient children. Lord, we thank you now for our time together. We thank you for, um, for our church. And Lord, we are, are blessed because you are our God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.